0: Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. An experience will be like, What did he say? Or what was that scripture? Well, now you have it at your, on your phone, amen? And after you write your notes, you can actually send yourself an email from there, go back to your email, go through what God said to you during the service, that way you can continue to grow after Sunday. Come on, somebody. Because how I many you know nobody here, nobody here only eats once a week? Y- y'all quiet about that. But uh, so that's one of the reasons why we have you group is so that we, you can grow and also the sermons know. How many are ready for the word of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Uh, this month we're, we're teaching on a sermon series called Grow Up. Everybody say grow up. Grow up. Turn to your neighbor and say grow up, girl. Or boy. Amen. Grow up. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It says this. It says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us. Everybody say, he chose me. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership. Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Through his blood, the forgiveness of his sins. Uh, In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. A few more verses. To be into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him, we are all chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of his work. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. And I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that you would speak to every single person, God, that you would speak through my mouth, God, that you, God, would just touch every heart this morning. I pray, God, that you would... God just penetrate our lives. We love you in Jesus' name. We all pray. Amen. 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 The last time I spoke, um, Amen. We were talking about the heart. Everybody say heart. heart. And we were talking about how Jesus looks at the heart. He uses a metaphor, and he used soil. And we have hard soil, right? And we learned that when our heart is hardened before God, it's very easy. Very easy. For your enemy, Satan, the devil, to come and steal the word of God out of your heart. That's why there are many people that can come to the house of God and they receive the word of God. But because their heart is hardened before the Lord, nothing happens. And so many times we say, "Well, it was the word of God. Maybe it's the church. Maybe I need to go to another church or or maybe it's the seed. But we learned the last time I spoke that it's not the seed's fault, right? It's not the farmer, right? Because ultimately, I'm not the farmer. Jesus is the farmer. The issue is not the seed. It's not the farmer. It's what? It's our heart. It's our heart. And if our heart is hardened to the things of God, nothing is going to happen. It doesn't matter if you come Sunday, every Sunday. If your heart is hardened during worship, during the things of God, for the things of God, nothing will happen. The enemy will come and snatch that word from your life. Amen. But then then we learned about you know the heart that is troubled right or the heart that gets anxious they get really excited about the things of God and then they learn that there's a price to pay right and how many of you know Jesus is all lovely until you have to actually sacrifice something to be in a relationship with him And let me just say this. If you've been serving Jesus for a little bit, you know that there is something you have to sacrifice. All of a sudden, people don't treat you the same no no more, right? You're not invited to the parties. You're not invited to the birthday parties. People start not hanging out with you. Why? Because of Jesus. Because you you decided to serve Jesus. And some people will be like, I'm all in it for Jesus. I don't care if people don't like me. But then there's some people will be like, I didn't know I was going to lose all this. And they call that a a heart full of thorns. What happens? That the cares of this world, the cares of of wanting to please people begin to choke your relationship with God. Right? And then there's the good soil. Everybody say good good soil. Good soil is like, I don't care what I have to give up. And I don't care what are the people that leave me. And I don't care the situation that I might have to go through. I am going to stick with it with Jesus. When it's time for worship, I'm going to give it all I got. When it's time for me to read my word, I'm going to do my best to my best ability to do what the word of God tells me to do. That is good soil. And when you begin to have good soil, my friend, your life begins to change. Why? Because it's all about our hearts. Amen? Amen. Most of the people that have a heart and heart don't have a real relationship with God, they have religion. People fall in love with religion. People fall in love with the way church is done. They haven't really fallen in love with Jesus. But when you begin to fall in love with Jesus, you begin to realize that there's certain things that the church does that Jesus doesn't even require. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, I, I'm falling in love with Jesus. I'm not falling in love with just the church. Because it's two different things sometimes. There's a lot of people that fall in love with the church, the organization, all the music and all that stuff. But they're not in love with Jesus. And some of you might be saying, well, how do you know that? How do you know when, when you're in love with the church and not with Jesus? You know, when the church hurts you, you stop serving Jesus. That's how you know you're in love with the church. When the church or somebody from the church, because how I many you know we're all human in the church? Right? When somebody in the church stops uh, they hurt you and stuff like that, all of a sudden your relationship with God goes, my friend, that is a clear indication that you had a relationship with the church and not Jesus. Because I mean you know there's, there's many churches, right? Uh-huh. And let, let's face facts. We have a lot of people inside of the church that are hurting. We all fall short of the glory of God. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, we're a perfect church. We're definitely not a perfect church. But that's how you have an indication. When you have a relationship with Jesus, man, your relationship with God continues to go no matter what, amen? Today I'm gonna be talking about walking the talk. Walking the talk, how many ever heard somebody that man, they know how to talk? And they couldn't convince you. How many ever been to a car dealership before? Come on now, and some of us, we we don't own the car no more, right? Because they had a good talk. Be like, oh, this is the best car ever. It has AC, it has heating, it has all this stuff, and then when you drove it for about a week, the heat stopped working, the AC stopped working. I mean, let's face facts, the whole car stopped working! Right? Why? Because they were able to talk, but they weren't able to back up what they said. Why? Because they don't have a life of integrity. And today, we're talking about growing up, right? We're talking about being mature Christians. And there's a few things that we have to understand to be able to walk what we talk. Because it's not enough just to know the Word of God, right? It's not enough just to come to the house of God. It's a great step. And don't stop, right? But it's just not enough, right? If you want to fulfill your purpose in Christ, if you want to fulfill your calling, If you want to fulfill everything that God wants for your life, it's not enough just to show up. Even though showing up is half the battle. How many want to know what we need to do to grow up? Number one, we need to know our identity. Everybody say identity. Have you ever met somebody that uh, once they got married, like a newlywed, right? And they forgot that their last name changed? Come on, somebody. Be like, it was like, my, my wife's last name was Rodriguez. And it changed to Trinidad. And uh, I believe there was a time when she was calling and she kept on saying, oh, my name is Margarita Rodriguez. But her ID said her name was Margarita Trinidad. Why? Because she changed her name. Right. And so when she kept on going to to get certain things like with important stuff, like the light, Oh, my name is Mar- Mar- Margarita Rodriguez. She said, well, that's not coming up, ma'am. And then she realized, oh, that's not my last name no more. My last name is Margarita Trinidad, right? And how many of you know, when she started using her real name, Margarita Trinidad, she started having certain access that she used to have with Margarita Rodriguez, but no longer. Why? Because Margarita Rodriguez is gone. Her name is finished. Her new name is Margarita Trinidad. And that's what happens when we don't know our identity in Christ. When you come to Jesus, you start acting different. And when you try to revert back, all of of a sudden, you don't have the same feelings anymore. You don't have the same access anymore. Why? Because the Lord has changed your name. You have a different identity. Let me tell you some of the things. That one of the things that the devil does is he tries to remind us of our, 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 our previous identity. And he begins to try to tell you, hey, you can't do that because look what you used to do. Or look what you've done. Or look what the stuff that you've met. You, all the mistakes that you made before. He tries to remind you of your old identity. Come on, somebody. Right. But I'm so blessed. That Jesus says, hey, when you come to me, I don't repair the old you. No, no. He says, you become born again. Right. You are a brand new creation. The old is past. That means the old sin, the old mistakes, the old patterns are all dead and gone. You are a brand new person. You have a new identity. You are not your past. You are not your mistakes. And some of you guys say, when they keep on coming up, my friend, keep on dying to them because Jesus says you are born again. You are born again. again. You have a different purpose now. You have a different calling now. You have a different reason for living now, my friend. Why? Because Jesus has imparted that inside of your life. Amen? But how many know the devil keeps on coming, right? (laughs) And let me tell you... Paul the Apostle says this in Ephesians chapter 1. He gives us our, our identity a little bit. And if you read through the entire Bible, you can get so much. I think there's over a hundred things of our new identity. But let me give you a few. This is what the devil says to us. The devil says, hey, you're not blessed. You're not blessed. How many ever heard that? You're not blessed. God's not hearing, God's not hearing you. But look what, God, look, look what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, we are blessed in Christ. The devil comes and says, you're not blessed, but Jesus says, no, 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 I have blessed you in me. Here comes the devil. The devil comes and says, God doesn't want you. Look at the stuff that you've done. God doesn't need you, but look what Paul says. He says, we are chosen in Christ. That's a powerful word, by the way, chosen. That's a powerful word because he could have chose not to choose you. He could have chosen not to choose you. The fact that it says chosen, was it was intentional. It's something he wanted to do. You we just didn't fall on his lap. It's not something that he has to deal with. No, he actually chose you. And watch this. He chose you knowing your mistakes. He chose you knowing your personality. He chose you knowing your sin. He still chose you and I. Come on, somebody. That's some good news. You know what else the devil does? And says, he says, you're not holy, and you're not, and you are very sinful. You are very sinful. How come are you going to go to the house of God on Sunday when you know you ain't holy and you're sinful? But look what Jesus says. He says, when you receive me, you receive my holiness on credit. He says, we are holy and blameless in what? In Christ. In Christ, we are holy. In Christ, we are blameless. And as long as we stay in Christ, my friend, you are going to continue to be more holy and more blameless. Come on, somebody. That's good news. But so many times we feel like, man, I messed up. I got to stop serving Jesus. No, my friend. That is a tactic of the enemy. The reason why we feel like quitting every time we fall short is because the devil is trying to keep us away from being in Christ. You have to stay in Christ so that he can continue to change our lives. It doesn't stop there, right? You know, the devil says this, God doesn't think of you, and he doesn't want you. But then Paul says, hey, we were predestined, and we've been adopted in Christ. Predestined means that God thought of us even before our parents did predestined means before you even existed before anyone saw you he already had a plan for your life and not only that when when you came into the world and you chose to give your life to him he says I have adopted you and you know there's a difference between being born and being adopted because how many of you know when you go when you're born you don't have no choice who your parents were but when you're adopted how many of you know that the parents chooses the child Isn't that powerful? He didn't say, hey, you were born into me, and so I had no choice but to to love you, and I had no choice but to bless you, and I had no choice because it was was a requirement. No, no, he says, I adopted you. That means I handpicked you. And that's where Jesus says, hey, man, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You didn't love me first. I first loved you. So powerful, isn't it? That the God of the universe has so many things in His hands and so many things going on in the world, and yet He took the time to choose you. Come on, man. Amen. And yet here's the, here's the devil. He tries to tell you God doesn't love you. Really? God has been thinking about me way before I even had a mind to think. God has been loving me way before I loved Him. Come on, somebody. He also says God doesn't care about your freedom. He wants you to stay stuck. Some of you, some of you you even heard people say, that's part of your punishment. The reason why you're so addicted, the reason why you're so broke, is your punishment. God's punishing you. That's a lie from the pits of hell because God does not put people in bondage. He gives people freedom. Hallelujah! It's the enemy that puts us in bondage. It's the enemy that lies to us to help us, not to help us, but to keep us bound. You know what Paul says? He says, the Lord has redeemed us and we are redeemed in Christ. You know what redeemed means? That means he bought us back. He bought us back. And then some of us, we believe the lies of the enemy that says God don't forgive you. God doesn't forgive your sin. God doesn't forgive what you've done. God doesn't forgive the things that you think. Look at the way you think. You think God's going to forgive that? But the Bible says this, that we are forgiven in Christ you realize that it doesn't matter whether you think you're forgiven or not? Whether I think I'm forgiven or not, I am forgiven regardless. Whether I think I'm loved by Christ, I'm loved regardless. My sin, how good I am or how bad I am does not change the love of Christ for me. It might bring me, it might bring me consequences, right? My sin, but it never changes God's love for me. And never changes God's calling upon my life. The Bible says that that the gifts of God and the calling of God are irrevocable. It doesn't matter what we've done. That never changes. Come on, somebody. So you have to know your identity. Everybody say identity. Identity. When you leave today, the enemy is going to attack your identity. When you leave today, he's going to say, oh, you can't do this. You can't serve Jesus. And you know what? Partially, he's right. You can't do it. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. This walk was never made for us to do it in our own power. It was always meant for us to do it in the power of God. And that's why having a relationship with God on a daily basis is so important. Number two, we need the power of God. Everybody say the power of God. Now, that's an acronym. And for those that don't know what an acronym is, is, we use every single letter of that word to kind of give you the message. Amen? So the letter P is pray. Everybody say pray. pray. First 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says this. It says, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that what? Pleases him. So what if we ask for something that does not please him? Is he going to answer? He's not. Why? Because he says this, we are confident. I'm so confident that he hears us when, when we ask for anything that pleases him. That pleases him. Do you know that we control whether God is pleased with us or not? We control that. And how do we do that? How do we get close to God? We begin to pray. How do you walk in God's power? You begin to pray. You begin to talk with God. And you know what's the result of prayer? You begin to walk in obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. That's the O in power. I'll just say this. If you are not doing the word of God, you are limiting yourself. You are limiting yourself. Look at John 6:38 says, "For I have come down from heaven to heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will." You know, so many so many times, right? The reason why I have fallen into ditches spiritually is because I was doing my own will. It's because I made a decision and most of the time, I knew that that wasn't the right decision. But because I wanted that to happen so bad, I did my own will. But Jesus says, hey, listen, if you are in Christ, you should want to be obedient. Why? Because that is the thing that brings fruit. Amen. It's not my will. It's his will for my life. It's not my well, what I want for my own life. It is his will that causes me to walk in obedience. My friend, you know, there's a lot of delays that happen inside of our lives because of disobedience. And so many times we'll be like, I don't know what God's will is, and I don't know what God's will is. And sometimes we're listening for a prophetic word, and there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes we're listening to a word for a message, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God says, hey, listen, before you go for a prophetic word and before you go for a message, why don't you go inside of my word because I've already spoken. I've already told you what I want you to do. And sometimes we elevate different things above the word of God. And many times that's where confusion comes in. Because we're listening to this person and we're listening to that person. No, he says, listen to me. Listen to me because I'm not the author of confusion. God is the author of clarity. He's the one who makes everything clear. But it's our choice. And the the, the W is for the Word. Everybody say the Word. word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting down the soul and spirit between the joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Oh, my friend, God could speak to you so clearly through His Word. Not only does God speak to you so clearly, He also reveals Who you are through his word. Look what it says. He says he exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. You know what that means? That means God exposes your wrong desires. But he also exposes who you are in him. That's a powerful thing. Because what good is it for him to tell me how bad I am? When he does, he begins to also show me who I am in him. He doesn't always say, look what you're doing. You need to stop or I'm going to stay disconnected to you. No, no. He says, you need to stop this because I've created you for more. You need to stop this relationship because I've created you for more than that relationship. Can somebody say amen. Amen. You got to feed on the word of God. You got to feed on it. You should come here expecting God to speak to you. Every time you open the word of God, you should be like, man, like you hungry. Like you have your best food in front of you. And that's the way God speaks to you, not only on Sunday, but on a daily basis. Don't tell me God's not speaking to you when you haven't even opened up your Bible. Right? Because prayer is is us talking to God, but the word of God is God speaking to you. And you say, God, I don't hear you, and I don't feel your guidance. My friend, open up the word of God and pray over the word of God, and you will sooner or later hear the voice of God guiding you. The E is for exalt. Everybody say exalt. And this is where we all fall short, right? Because we all have pride. Come on, somebody. And it's very hard to live an obedient life being arrogant. It's very hard to do what God wants you to do, thinking that we know it all. We don't know it all. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12 says, But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What does that mean? That means if you want to go higher in Jesus, the way higher to, in Jesus and the things of God is humbling yourself before God. That doesn't mean that you become a doormat, right? That doesn't mean that you allow people to walk all over you and stuff like that. That's not what that means. What it means is it's putting others before yourself. It's putting God's priority and putting God first before your priorities. It is making God number one. Above everything. That is what it means to walk in humility. When you begin to put God number one, it becomes so much easier to serve other people. It becomes so much easier to walk in humility. You know, the reason why some of us don't get promoted even just naturally in our jobs is because sometimes we're just too arrogant. Oof, that was harsh. But it's true, right? How many love arrogant people? Nobody likes arrogant people. <laughs> and some of you might be saying, well, how do you know? Cause uh, when, you know, growing up, I, 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 I grew up a Puerto Rican and there's a saying like, oh, he's so humble. Or she's so humble. What they're really trying to say is they're quiet. They call quiet people humble. Oh, he's so humble. They're not humble. Have you heard him talk? He's so arrogant. He's not humble. He's quiet. But listen to what he says. He's very arrogant. Right? Humility is not quietness. You can tell when somebody's humble about what they say out of their mouths. You can tell whether somebody's humble is how they act. Humility can be seen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And the R is relationship. Everybody say relationship. relationship. In Matthew, in, in John, I believe, do they have that scripture up there? Mm-hmm. There it is. John the Baptist exalts, uh, exalts, uh, exalts Jesus. I think that's part of my point. And Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time. Everybody say some time. With them, they're baptizing people. You know that word, spent time, in the original language means he got under the skin of. Has anybody ever gotten under your skin? (laughs) And literally, the Bible says that Jesus got under the skin of the disciples. And most most likely, the disciples got under the skin of Jesus. And sometimes when we see people getting under our skin, we think that's not of God, but it is of God when Jesus does it. And that's what relationships do. When you are in the same passion of growing in Christ, there's gonna be times where us, as a body of Christ, we're gonna get under our skins. There's gonna be certain things that I say behind this pulpit that is gonna make you uncomfortable, my friend. But you know what else it means? Jesus spent some time with them. Some time means under the skin, but it also means to rub off. I don't know about you, but I'm okay with Jesus getting under my skin if what he has rubs off on me. Amen. I'm okay with somebody correcting me. If, if this person has purpose and if this person has an anointing, go ahead and correct me. Go ahead and tell me what's wrong with me so that the anointing that God has blessed you with rubs off on me. On somebody. Amen. We don't teach that in this world, right? What we teach is when somebody gets under your skin, run. <laughs> and sometimes, my friend, you're running away from your blessing. Sometimes you're running away from your promotion. Because that person, even though they're getting under your skin, even though that message is getting under your skin, even though what you're going through is bothering you, it is part of the process so that whatever is in Jesus begins to rub off on you. The blessing of God begins to rub off. The power of God begins to rub off. That peace that you're trying to look for in that joint and in that drink, my friend, the peace of God begins to rub off. Why? Because you've positioned yourself to allow God to get under your skin a little bit. Come on, somebody. Last one is conviction. If we want to grow in Christ, we need the power of Jesus. We need to know who we are. And we need conviction. Everybody say conviction. Conviction, conviction is a, such a good word, my friend. Conviction is such a good word as they put on some worship music. Look what John 16, verse 8 says. He says, And when he comes, he is the Holy Spirit. He says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. You know what conviction is like? Conviction is like guardrails. Everybody knows what guardrails are, right? When you're in the expressway, right? And you're going fast. and, And we've all seen accidents either on Instagram or Facebook. And we've seen a car smack right into the guardrail. And it puts you right back in. That's conviction. Guardrails and convictions are not meant to hurt you. They're meant to save your life. And when the Holy Spirit begins to convict you of your sin, when the Holy Spirit begins to tell you, hey, you need to stop doing that and you need to stop being around that person and you need to stop going there, it's not because He's trying to stop you from having fun. It's not because He's trying to kill the excitement inside of your life. It's because He's trying to save your life. Conviction is like guardrails. And sometimes conviction... Man, how many you know when you're going at full speed out of Garba and it stops you, you're going to feel it? Oh, but it's such a blessing. You might feel the conviction. You might get annoyed a little bit by it. Oh, but it's there to save your life. And don't get confused with conviction and condemnation because the devil comes and brings condemnation. Conviction, what it does, is just like a guardrail. When you hit a guardrail, the purpose of a guardrail is not only to stop you from going over the cliff, but it's also to help you put you back on track. And that's what conviction does. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, He's basically telling you, you need to run to God now. You need to get closer to God now. When condemnation comes, it's like having a bad GPS We've all experienced that, right? You think you're going in the right direction. And when you get there, you end up in somebody else's house and not Walmart. (laughs) But that's what Satan does. Because if you look at it, conviction and condemnation, they feel similar. They just end. They end in this different destination. Condemnation, you know what it does? The devil begins to tell you you're not worthy. You're not worth doing the call of God. You're not worthy to do His purposes. Look at what you have done. A condemnation comes upon you and it doesn't lead you to God. It leads you away from God. And then sooner or later you find yourself in a place so far away from God. That's a bad GPS. Condemnation is bad GPS. It feels the same. You just end up in the wrong place. Oh, my friend, you got to receive that conviction. And you got to tell him, God, whatever I did to displease you, I don't want to run away from you. I want to run towards you. Even though it might hurt me, even though you might ask me something to do that I'm, not, that I'm uncomfortable with, God, let me do it, Father God, because I know at the end of the day it's going to save my life. My friend, if you have people in the car, And you hit a guardrail. It doesn't only save your life. It saves everybody else's life in the car. And it's not only about you, my friend. It's about everybody that you're supposed to impact through your life. And that's why conviction is so good. Conviction conviction is the love of God. Because he's trying to get you closer to him. He's not trying to push you away. And so many times, if you were raised in in, in in a household, when you messed up, they push you away. You think God is like that. Look at what you have done. Get away from me. Look at the mistakes you have done. Get away from me. God doesn't say get away from me. He says, look at the mistakes you've done. Come towards me. Come towards me. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to reject you. Is there going to be consequences? Possibly. Oh, but my friend, not only does God allow consequences, but he's also a healing. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.